the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. didn't know by now my name is chad and every single week we take a journey back in time we go back and uh, talk about something from the good old days of the new generation and trust me folks this sounded better the first time around as this is a take two not noticing that the record button wasn't pushed in time so uh 17 minutes of gold now that have to be duplicated and replicated uh to sound exactly like it did just a couple of minutes ago uh, but what are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about the return of Jake the Snake Roberts to the WWF in 1996. This idea coming to me as I watched the Royal Rumble this past uh, Saturday night. Very cool uh, thing to have the Royal Rumble on a Saturday rather than a Sunday. Smart move by them, not going against the football. I mean, they've done it in years past, but you know, who are we to uh, call them on that for previous years? Uh, I got to say, I really enjoyed it. I really liked uh, the Royal Rumble uh, having that uh, Saturday night feel, almost like the Saturday night's main events from back in the day. Uh, my only gripe would be how long it was. It was incredibly long, and the Rumble started way too late. And uh, how does a kid stay up to watch it the way we did back in the day when those shows would end by 1045 uh, most of the time? So, um that's one thing I didn't like, but what I did like is that it triggered my new generation memory and had me thinking, you know, last week we covered the 1994 Royal Rumble match with Husey, but this week I'm going to single out one guy because if you really look at the participants of the guys who took place in the Rumbles between 1988 and 1995, there weren't that many big, huge returns. There were guys you didn't expect to see in those matches. But none of, none of them were really an overwhelming return. And if you really break it down, Jake Roberts is the first, like, huge return to a Royal Rumble match. Uh, and that was in 1996 in Sacramento, California at the 1996 uh, Royal Rumble. And uh, what I want to do today is just, uh, you know, review a couple parts of the 96 year. You know, he was there into 97. He was at the 97 Rumble. But, you know, it's most of the stuff he did in 1996 that really stood out about this return. You know, I remember very clearly watching, uh, I believe it was uh, one of the weekend shows, probably WWF Mania. 
and uh, or Livewire at the time and, and seeing the return of Jake being advertised and just being shocked by that and just seeing what was going on in WCW, which was on the rise, sort of. They were doing the Dungeon of Doom. They were doing the the uh, Alliance to End Hulkamania. Jake kind of fit in pretty good with that group, you know, especially Sullivan, the Taskmaster at that time. Um, and as you saw those familiar faces pop up in WCW, it was really a surprise to see that Jake would be coming back to the WWF, uh, especially knowing that he hadn't been on American TV, you know, in the mainstream since he left WCW. You know, if you got PWI or you got you know, one of those uh, old uh, wrestling rags, you got to see that Jake was still performing in Puerto Rico or he was still working in Smoky Mountain. And you saw his name, of course, on the independent scene. If you uh, had a colorful sign on a uh, on a lamppost by your house, you might see Jake the Snake's name on there. But to see him coming back to the WWF was so cool because it was just like somebody coming home, you know? And we saw so many guys go to WCW it was great to have him back. Now, did he fit in among that new generation crew? Mm, possibly, but not really. You know, we saw Mr. Perfect come back the previous November, and he came into a commentary role. Uh, Piper came back in 94 for a, a couple cameos, um, and he would be back in 96 as the commissioner. But nothing in the terms of a regular wrestler. You know, there was nobody who was doing that. I mean, Bob Backlund had been there, and even though Bob Backlund was – the quote older generation, Bob Beck was kind of getting phased out by early 96. And you know, the, uh, the, the crazy old man thing kind of ran its course, but Jake was not being brought in as a, as an old man or, or he'd be a veteran, but he kind of came in strong and the, the build for him and the, um, the graphics that they would show would show the older Jake, the snake from the previous generation, you know, from the, uh, the WWF Federation era, but this was a Jake. We didn't know what to expect. And when you fast forward to that Sacramento Royal Rumble, January uh, 20, I just lost it here, 21st, 1996. Excuse me, I said Sacramento, Fresno, California. Uh, when that buzzer hit for number seven and the Jake the Snake music hit, you heard it off the top. I played it as the uh, intro started to uh, build up today. You heard the crowd go nuts. You heard Vince go nuts. You heard Mr. Perfect go nuts. And that python that they had that night in, in, in Fresno was an immense python, just an absolute slithering maniac python that uh, Jerry Lawler got smothered in. And um, with that and the new bodysuit that he was wearing, Jake the Snake was back. Now, look, looked a little older. You know, he had a little less uh, hair on the top than we remembered. But, you know, that's nothing to hold against the guy. We all get older. But he was not that old at that point. I mean, I think he was you know, like 42 or 43 years old when he came back in 1996. And, you know, now, I mean, we see the guys who were main eventing at the Rumble and they're in their mid forties, you know, 45, 46 years old. So Jake is like, uh, you know, a young up and coming guy. He's like Dolph Ziggler in the 2022 Rumble. You know, that's kind of like who he's almost on par with in terms of the age, but it's just what those guys meant. Versus now, you know, Jake was special and he reminded you of that Hogan era and seeing him back in this new generation ring was something that I just, I remember being so excited about and even watching it again, I just still get that same smile on your face and, you know, enjoy it because this 96 rumble is not very good. And, you know, Husey wanted to argue with the 94 rumble that that wasn't very good. I, I think the 94 rumble is leaps and bounds 
above uh, 95, 96. And if you want to even lump in 93, the Rumble match, you know, the 94 one just is like the, I would say, the uh, the pinnacle of the Rumbles from this new generation era. Um, there's some great talent in this 96 Rumble, but you didn't think Jake was going to win. You know, you didn't think that uh, Savio Vega was going to win. You didn't think that uh, Bob Holly was going to win. You kind of knew this thing was set up for Shawn Michaels to come back from his injury to uh, to win, which he ultimately did. Um, but, you know, in, in a Royal Rumble match, Jake lasting 14 minutes and 39 seconds, getting eliminated by Vader, who was absolutely being built as a monster on this show, who debuted himself on this show. You know, it's uh, it, it's pretty good. Shawn Michaels only lasted an extra about 10 minutes longer than, uh, than Vader did or than Jake the snake did. So, you know, his, his tenure in the, uh, the, the rumble was great. He had a great showing and um, he would settle into a very good veteran role as the year of 1996 uh, would roll by. Now I just want to point out a few pretty cool matches that I don't know how many people would, ex would know even exist if you didn't, you know, study old results or were in the building the night that it happened. I want to take you to uh, February 19th, 1996 in Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Gardens, uh, which is a, a great venue, longtime venue out in uh, the Ohio region. Uh, the team of the two dudes with attitudes, but this time it's tweener, Big Daddy Cool Diesel and Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels is on his way to the WWF Championship match at WrestleMania 12. Take on a somewhat reunited team in Jake the Snake Roberts and The Undertaker. How about that for a duo, huh? In 96, Jake the Snake and The Undertaker had a pretty cool little duo going in late 91, early 92, before The Undertaker decided to uh, save the Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth on the uh, Saturday night's main event uh, from a chair shot through the curtain that, that dastardly Jake the Snake was about to wallop whoever came through the curtain first. Uh, they broke up as a little duo, but here they are reunited, and it's uh, unbelievable that this thing hasn't been released. It's taped at Monday Night Raw, so you know they got it somewhere. If they put out any more of those compilations, I know WWE Home Video is is now long dead, but if they put out any compilations of unreleased matches or raw dark matches, they got to put this thing on there because that is awesome. I mean, it's very short. It's only two minutes and 58 seconds. As the match begins, uh, Diesel and, and uh, The Undertaker brawl to the back and leave Shawn Michaels and Jake the Snake basically having a one-on-one -on -one match, which Shawn Michaels would get the best of and beat uh, Jake. Um, he would get the rub though. He'd get the handshake, the baby face, uh, high five after the match. And everybody would, uh, be all, uh, smiles and, uh, and happy faces all around. Um, but that's pretty cool. Nonetheless, Jake's only back for a month and he's, uh, in a, in a match with the guys that are pretty much, uh, the top of the WrestleMania card. Um, and in between this to lead to WrestleMania, Jake's got some very odd matches that pop up out of nowhere. He's at the free-for-all in February 1996, the in-your-house six rage in the cage. He beats Tatanka, who has fallen from grace at the, since the beginning of the 1993 New Generation era, who went from a top babyface to now a absolutely forgettable heel in uh, in this, this time frame. I can remember going to a house show in February 1996, and Tatanka being the replacement for, I, I think, maybe Jeff Jarrett or something. But... 
still, what an afterthought after being such an important part of those early new generation days. Tatanka losing to Jake on a free-for-all is kind of like baffling because one, the free-for-all was what they would show on the preview channel. And I think in New Jersey, it was channel 15 where, you know, it would be the blue ticker showing you what's on every channel and a little box up in the corner would have the free-for-all or you'd find whatever channel was, maybe channel 99, and that was the pay-per-view channel. And you get the free-for-all for 30 minutes, and then as it was time to roll the credits for the intro, they would click it off, and you would either have Scramble Vision, which many of us watched many of things on Scramble Vision, or you got the uh, the old blue TV screen, and that meant it was over, and you'd never persuaded your parents to order the uh, the, the pay-per-view. And uh, save them thirty nine ninety five. You'd have to wait for the uh, Coliseum video uh, to come out. Uh, but he's at the free for all in February. He also has a pretty cool dark match with Razor Ramon against the uh, Goldust and One Two Three Kid duo that would then be swapped out Razor with Savio Vega, and that would become a house show match. Jake and Savio taking on uh, Goldust and One Two Three Kid, getting the victory. Jake getting the DDT and uh, and getting the victory. Um, but that would segue into the very odd build for the uh, trio of Ahmed Johnson, Yokozuna, and Jake the Snake taking on Camp Cornette at WrestleMania 12. Now on the house shows and at the Raw Dark matches, you got different iterations of Jake and Yoko or Ahmed and Jake uh, taking on. Owen and the Bulldog or Vader and the Bulldog or Owen and the Bulldog again. And they would be kind of working this out. It looked like, cause I'm sure it was probably very difficult to get Ahmed Johnson in any kind of rhythm. And just looking at this, the way that the uh, cage match database has it um, written out leading to WrestleMania. I mean, they had one, two, three, four, five, six different matches where these guys either had a count out victory and it's the same duo or Jake would hit the DDT and they would win the match um, leading to WrestleMania 12 at the Arrowhead pond in Anaheim, California where camp Cornette would defeat Jake Yoko and Ahmed in 12 minutes and 51 seconds. In what I can only describe as if you've ever heard the mix of the three theme songs of Yokozuna, Jake and Ahmed, it is brutal it is uh a raping of the ears if you will to hear the the mix of yoko's uh or oriental themed music then jake with the uh, classic jake the snake you know venom theme and then uh, ahmed johnson's pearl river powerhouse the three of them being mixed together is just oh it's just a piece of shit and uh i'm glad they never teamed again after that because it's pretty damn bad and uh, listen to it if you need a good laugh because it's it's pretty terrible. But Jake, then as as the months would go on, you'd see him battling my guy, my my big man down there in Knox County, Tennessee. Uh, he battled Isaac Yankum many times over the months, basically between February and April. I mean, we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, seven times that Isaac Yankum and and Jake squared off on these house shows and i've got to ask glenn about that and see what it was it was called the wwf champions tour a lot of these were overseas some of them were uh, in canada but for the most part as they went overseas you actually uh you had and i'll get to the most interesting one you had uh, bradshaw defeating jake 
You had Owen defeating Jake. You had the Bulldog defeating Jake. And then they'd switch it. Jake defeats Isaac Yankum. Then Bradshaw defeats Jake. And then Owen defeats Jake. And then Jake defeats Isaac Yankum three times for Bradshaw to then beat Jake again. Another one beating of Isaac Yankum. Jake defeats Owen Hart via DQ. Bradshaw defeats Jake. I mean, this is still one tour to then. How about this one? To close it off, uh, April 22nd. 1996 Jake, the snake Roberts defeats razor Ramon. So I'm sure this is on the razor Ramon is going away tour. I'm going to pull up the exact uh, result to see if there's any further details. We said this is April 22nd, 1996. That is in Munich, Germany. In front of 4,702 screaming German fans, Jake the Snake Roberts pins Razor Ramon with the DDT. How about that? It's pretty damn impressive. That And then only, what, four nights, five nights later, they're uh, at the In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies, which that's the end of Razor and Diesel. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is it for them, but it, it intertwines with Jake getting a huge victory over Razor Ramon in Germany. Again, where is this footage? Somebody put this out. If you're in the WWE library, that's something that's got to see the light of day at some point. Um, but that being really, you know, outside of that Undertaker uh, dark match, I mean, that that's that's a huge, huge contest to not get any kind of press or any kind of, um, you know, footage shown in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the Camp Cornette trio uh, would be reduced to a Camp Cornette duo as Owen Hart and the Bulldog would defeat Ahmed Johnson and Jake Roberts at the uh, April in your house, the good friends, better enemies. And uh, then you would still see him kind of intertwined with the Bulldog as the Bulldog was getting built for Shawn Michaels. But then a debuting mankind would be paired with Jake for one house show loop through Northern New York and into Canada uh, for a good uh, two, three weeks you'd see Jake be paired off with the guy who he would eventually end up making. And that is Steve Austin. So again, I don't know how much of this would be kind of set up through the King of the ring uh, brackets and how they wanted the King of the ring to look, but Jake and Steve Austin who have the iconic moment at King of the ring, 1996, you know, they'd start to meet each other on the house show loop. They go through, let's see here. We have the, uh, wow, this is uh, this is a good loop. You have the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. Steve Austin defeats Jake Roberts in 17 minutes and 10 seconds. Then they make their way to the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Then they make their way to Hershey. Then they make their way to Madison Square Garden, where, you know, that's a huge, huge victory for Austin at that point as you're building to the uh, the, the King of the Ring, Austin, um, which the next night, it's funny, so this is, May 19th, 1996. Oh, that's the uh, the curtain call um, uh, house show at the uh, the Garden. May 19th, 1996. Uh, Steve Austin defeats Jake. The next show we'd see Jake on is May 26th, where he defeats Bradshaw. But that's the In Your House Beware of Dog, where the lights go out in Charleston, South Carolina, or Florence, South Carolina. The other one would be in Charleston. And it's funny, he defeats Bradshaw here in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Crazy. So he, 
He worked with Bradshaw that whole entire European tour, but because of the issues they were having with the weather, a 30-second defeat of a guy like Bradshaw at that point in 96. Again, another dude who was getting groomed for uh, a nice, healthy career in the WWE. Uh, then move forward to Raw. You'd see a King of the Ring qualifying match. And this is what always has been the rumor. Uh, somebody who was supposed to win the 1996 King of the Ring, one Hunter Hearst Helmsley, is defeated by Jake the Snake Roberts in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. And this was supposed to be Triple H's crowning moment of winning the King of the Ring in 96. And that never happened. And obviously it would go on to be Stone Cold Steve Austin and the business never looked back. But can you imagine the punishment that Triple H was was receiving at that time was a television loss to a veteran like Jake. And, you know, now if you flip over to Nitro at this point in time, Hall and Nash are getting ready to uh, kick off the NWO. They both have debuted by this point, and they're uh, on their way to, again, changing the business on that side of the coin, the WCW coin. And, you know, the lead up to uh, King of the Ring, uh, 96. You know, we'd see Jake and Austin on the house show loop. We would see them go through, uh, let's see here, Metro Center in Rock Island, Illinois, the Civic Center in Peoria, Mark of the Quad in Moline, Illinois, and then uh, Mike Durban's favorite venue, the Rosemont Horizon in Rosemont, Illinois, obviously the home of multiple WrestleManias. But Steve Austin defeats uh, Jake Roberts that night. But Jake also defeated Austin a couple times uh, on that loop. So it's uh, it's just interesting how they would do these these bookings, man. It's just something else. Um, I wish it could be a fly on a wall uh, at that time. But the uh, King of the Ring 96, you know, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Jake was doing Bible verses. You know, there were a, a series of vignettes where they were uh, touting Jake's finding of the Lord with helping him cure his demons. Um, they would bring his wife, Cheryl, back for those uh, those little vignettes that they did with JR on the uh, syndicated TV that Jake's road to redemption was basically leading him to the King of the Ring and quoting the Bible verses leading to the iconic awesome line. You sit there, you thump your Bible, you say your prayers, you talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. I think I've seen it a few times for that to be such a vivid quote. Uh, but then as we move forward through the summer and Jake basically, you know, let's just stop again. One second, King of the Ring, before I move on. Not just the promo, not just Jake's story, but Jake being carried out of the venue while Austin is talking helped that moment be almost as special as it was because it was able to, to show how off the cuff Austin could be with Jake staggering away with the help of the officials past the coronation stage and being led to the back. It was just a, a what a great visual of Jake with the hurt ribs and that being a part of the story. It's just, it's, it's a very special moment in time. You can see why it really was um, such a great, great, absolute iconic uh, WWF legacy uh, changing moment. Um, but Jake and, and his run with Camp Cornette would continue throughout the summer. He would go on to actually have a pretty good house show loop with both Owen Hart. He would have the Bulldog intermittently on, on a couple of Raws. But he's still intertwined with Mankind. He was intertwined with Vader, all to lead to 
what would end up being the feud that I think when you think of Jake in 96, you think of the feud he had with Jerry the King Lawler. And, and it was very real at times. It was a little, um, you know, ahead of its time in terms of some of the, um, some of the, the, the maybe more adult themes they were going for, you know, in about a year or so after this. Uh, but the, the build for Jerry Lawler and Jake would be, you know, Lawler taking pot shots on television and, and making fun of Jake, maybe being a little out of shape compared to what we remember Jake looking like uh, somewhere along the line. Jake did end up losing the suit and would go back to just regular tights. But, you know, he wasn't as tan as he used to be. And he was a little maybe a little thicker than he, he was in previous years. So these were little pot shots that Jerry Lawler would take at Jake that would eventually lead to the two of them um, having a couple promo confrontations on raw, you know, some back and forths um, having a couple house show matches. Jerry Lawler didn't really work the house shows um, too much. They'd have some TV uh, taping interactions, but I want to point this one out. Here's a dark match for you. And again, this is on video somewhere in the WWF vault, but we see again, Jake and the undertaker, teaming up to take on Jerry Lawler and Mankind in Ohio, yeah, Columbus, Ohio. What is with uh, Columbus, Ohio and the state of Ohio having these great uh, dark matches? The Superstars taping um, August 20th, 1996. Jake and The Undertaker defeat Lawler and Mankind as they were really building this feud. Now, at SummerSlam, Jerry Lawler defeats Jake Roberts, but, you know, it is – not what you would call matches a lot of stalling there's a lot of uh nefarious things going on as it relates to alcohol bottles and uh the coming into play to the uh to the finish but i i i like elements of this feud i don't love it but i don't hate it i i like that they use parts of the real story with jake and again that was something we hadn't seen to this point but i died lawler at this this stage was in a very odd spot because, you know, he had feuded with Bret Hart on and off for a few years and would go back into the commentary booth for a more full-time basis. And then for him to be pulled out for this Jake feud, you know, it kind of just, I don't know, it didn't really fit him the way maybe they had anticipated. I like it, but it's uh, it's an interesting one uh, looking back. I mean, Lawler's humor is what it is. I still, you know, I get a kick out of some of the things that he says, but uh, there's one very cool, very, uh, very, I guess you could say um, bait and switch moment that they do have on a Monday night raw. It's in September, 1996. It's in uh, Hershey park at the Hershey arena. You know, all the, the weeks and weeks of Jake being told that he's drunk by uh, Jerry Lawler on the air. Uh, there's a announced match. Jake comes out for the match staggering. He's coming out, you know, um, selling the effects of uh, a couple of bottles of whiskey and gorilla monsoon stops him at the ring and they don't want to see him going back down this path. So they go ahead and they uh, pull him into the corner where Jake reveals that he's not drunk. He's just uh, faking and he, he presents his breath to uh, gorilla monsoon who deems him able to compete and then when Jerry Lawler walks over, he eats a DDT, and that's it. It's a 10-second match. And that's literally what it says in the notes. It's 10 seconds, and it's great. It's, it is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, the commentary is wonderful. JR and I believe Kevin Kelly on the, the call and selling the fact that Jake is drunk. 
it is uh it's pretty cool and i, I gotta say one of the top moments of this 1996 run for uh for jake so if you were going to look at a uh, a couple of those marquee moments i'm going to put this one towards the uh the top of the list but also how about this one for a dark match at mind games which also uh took place in pennsylvania it was the day before the hershey taping uh jake the snake defeats triple h yet again showing you this guy was on the shit list uh in the eyes of wwf management and he loses again to jake the snake roberts but jake was huge in philly absolutely over in philly <laughs> and we could not go on without saying how we remember from months and months ago on the airwaves here we talked about the great 1996 uh taping of boy meets world in philadelphia where jake took on uh the man they call vader with Corey matthews and company in his corner that was also in jake's uh 1996 pretty uh pretty sweet moment to uh to add to your uh to your resume uh but then jake would close out the year he would be on the survivor series team uh that would i believe uh yes featured the debut of the rock rocky maivia the team of jake mark marrow the rock and the stalker barry windham defeat crush Goldust, triple h and jerry lawler triple h now the intercontinental champion um you know it was at the garden so jake got a huge pop they brought the snake out. It was a really cool uh, moment. But, you know, there wasn't really much else to say with uh, with Jake at this point. You know, I'd like to maybe ask uh, Justin Credible about this. Aldo Montoya and Jake the Snake defeat Justin Bradshaw and Uncle Zebekiah, Dirty Dutch. That was a couple house shows in the Detroit and Pittsburgh markets. You also got more Jake defeating uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley through Canada. You got Jake defeating uh, the fake Razor Ramon in Canada. Uh, Crush got a couple of victories over Jake. And then as 1996 would close, kind of would be it for Jake. In, uh, let's see, the last match of 1996 for Jake is a house show in Providence, Rhode Island. On December 28th, he takes on Goldust, who was on his way to the, uh, or was, no, he was not the Intercontinental Champion. Kind of weird. Goldust is in transition about to turn babyface at this point. So that's an interesting uh, pairing. They also face off at the uh, Nassau Coliseum. Um, but that's kind of it for Jake. 1996, what do you think? Did you like his return? Are you like me in saying that the uh, maybe if I was going to rank the high points, I'm going to say the Rumble return would be number one and the match with Lawler at... Uh, uh, Raw was number two, obviously. Austin 316. Let's slap that in there at number uh, three. And I got to see these dark matches. It's four and five. I got to see the two uh, Undertaker and um, uh, Jake teaming. And I also got to see Jake and Razor Ramon if we can at some point. And I'll preface that as saying the Scott Hall Razor Ramon, not the uh, Rick Titan Razor Ramon that we'd see in the, the latter half of the uh, the year. But what do you think? Did you like Jake in 96? Was he a good compliment to the new generation roster? Let me know and uh, hit me up. Drop it on Twitter. Drop it on Instagram. Wherever you want to hit me up, please do. Uh, I want to mention this before we uh, we wrap it up. And Coliseum Chad will be back in uh, about two weeks. And it's looking to be a pretty, uh, pretty good show. I'm going to run down some of the pickups I've had over the last uh, month or so. Um, 
head over to belowthecollar.com slash IB exclusives. Below the Collar is a uh, sister t-shirt site of the Pro Wrestling Tees family. So it's all under the same umbrella. Uh, Below the Collar is featuring the IB exclusive store, which I was told I did not fit the Pro Wrestling Tees model because I don't just have wrestling endeavors. I have other endeavors. So they put me on belowthecollar.com and I'm fine with it. I like it a lot. It's a very cool site. But not only do I have the IB exclusives official shirt for sale, I have a brand new designed the Chadster shirt. It's red and yellow. It's very reminiscent of Hulkamania, but it's not. It's the Chadster. And I would really appreciate it if you check the shirt out. I think it's really sweet. And it would be even sweeter if you went ahead and purchased one. And uh, even you could uh, represent the Chadster as you go through your daily life. And it's a pretty cool looking shirt. So if you know the quality of pro wrestling tees, then you'll know below the collar is exactly the same. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing if anybody's going to buy these things because I think they're they're pretty darn uh, nice. So with that being said, help me out. Help out the Chadster. And support me on Below the Collar. Support me on Twitter at Chad EMB. Support me on Instagram at IB Exclusives. My website is IBExclusives.com. You find all my signings on there. You can go to this website, TMPTEmpire.com, for all the podcasts under the TMPT umbrella, including the work I do with my, uh, my great good friend, John Paz, and the franchise, Shane Douglas, on the Triple Threat Podcast. It's featured on the Russo brand and channel Attitude. You can also catch me on Eyes Up Here with the Queen of Extreme Francine. That's on Patreon.com slash Francine Podcast, as well as on Creative Control. We've got not only the Eyes Up Here flagship, but an Eyes Up Here flashback now as well. So as you can tell, my voice is a little strained. So I'm going to go sip on some tea and rest it for a little while. But I appreciate everybody tuning in. Let me know what you think about the snake and his return in 1996, and we will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.